back to the Crash the Pond podcast. It's a Thursday night edition. This is this feels a little weird, but when was the last time we would have done a Thursday night podcast? I was going to ask originally, did we ever do a? Have we ever done? I'm sure we have. And then I remembered we did post game episodes for a good two seasons. Yeah, for anyone who's newer to the show, when (laughs) when we started doing this for the first two two full seasons, we did. A post game show. We uh, the podcast was essentially after every single Ducks game, plus or minus. You know, like maybe minus a couple. It was here way and there. more fun to do that when they were when they were like okay and they were in a playoff race and made but, the playoffs. Yeah, so we did that for about three quarters of the 2017-18 season, and then 2018-19, and then I think 2019-20 is when we kind of started to dial it back. Yeah, we started yeah. to back off a little bit. Mainly because I can like distinctly remember that I felt like the eighteen nineteen season was kind of fun because it felt like a train wreck and there was just a lot of emotional moments and the well, Randy it, Carlisle it, it didn't, side of things. I, I don't think we quite knew yet that this was going to be the start of something much longer and heinous. So that's the big issue. Yeah, and so yeah, but. Yeah, so we to get back to the point, we've definitely done a Thursday episode before. Yeah, by the way, people are already pointing it out in the chat, but yes. you're you're rocking a jacket, which I don't know, is that like a pilot jacket? Like what's the what's the description here it's, that we want to go with? It's a quarter it's corduroy with fuzzy on the inside. It's I've just, wanted I've wanted a jacket like this for a long time. Are you cold? It is actually cold here. So yes. I think people are a little bit um sensitive to cold in California. Is May, what I, I mean, it's it i've been getting in my car and it's been in the 30s yeah that I've, is cold today was in the 40s and i was in a t-shirt it was fine didn't die you know i'm still here i'm still fully healthy so regardless i've wanted a jacket like this for a while i was out and about on the weekend uh was at a surf shop saw this exact jacket and actually left and went back and was like Screw oh it, it's I'm a surf it. thing okay it's a, yeah it's made by kate and by surf which is a local it's not uh local to here it's a north huntington beach sunset beach uh shop and so for whatever reason jacks in dana point had it and yeah so really uh puffy really nice really nice and warm and i'm very happy with it so remember how about when, that remember when i used to wear a big poofy jacket on the show no i do not i did that for the the covid season because it was really cold in my apartment at the time and I would wear a big jacket. You don't remember this? You would call it out every time I did it. <laughs> no, we. How many episodes? Have, I don't know. We've we've done like probably what three hundred, three hundred at least. Yeah, it's quite a few, maybe too many. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we're, what we're gonna do today, just to give everyone a, a bit of an outline here, is we're going to discuss sort of our takeaways because we are at the All Star break. There's no Ducks hockey until next week. The Ducks haven't played in. They haven't played this week at all. And and so it just gives us some time to reflect. We're going to do some big picture takeaways of, of what we've seen thus far, zooming out and looking ahead. But before we get to that, I'm kind of glad we're doing this now because I think that this has finally abated and, and the, the smoke has died down. Yeah. But we do need to t- just briefly, you know what, I'm, even, I'm going to do the, the PDO cast uh, move here and put on a 10 minute timer. Okay. We're going to discuss the the Trevor Zegras incident, we'll just call it. Yep. Actually, you know what? Let's not call it the Trevor Zegras incident. Let's call it the Troy Stetcher incident. There we go. <laughs> and what a, uh, whatever you want the to call Zegra, it. The Zegras v. Stetcher yeah. <laughs> is, what, is what we'll call it. And, and uh, so I'm starting the timer now. I really don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Nope. But so I'm, I'll give everyone 
just the facts, because I think the facts are a very important starting point. Against, in the Ducks' last game, against the Arizona Coyotes, there was a scuffle, don't remember which period, but essentially Trevor Zegers cross-checks uh, Barrett Hayton, who's on the ground, and it upsets the other team, the, the Coyotes. There's a scuffle, and you can see Zegers going back and forth with different Coyotes players, and then... You can see that he's jawing at Troy Stetcher, and all of a sudden, Troy Stetcher becomes much more angry than he was. Like, he just kind of flips a switch and just starts screaming at Zegers. He's trying to fight over the ref to get to him. Zegers gets a 10-minute um, misconduct penalty. We don't actually know for, for what. There are, I think, 8 or 9 or 10 possibilities that you can get for a 10-minute misconduct in a game. But they don't tell you which one, which is kind of frustrating. And then from there... Uh, after that, there I mean nothing really happened. I mean, it, it, Troy Stetcher was still upset. He was still screaming at Zegers, even the penalty box. But there was no other incident the rest of the game, a game that went to overtime. And then after the game, or maybe even during the game, people started speculating, mainly on Twitter, what could have made Troy Stetcher so upset. And the first, I guess, gut instinct or guess that people had was that, oh, he must have been, he must have said something deeply personal. And what do people know about Troy Stetcher that could be deeply personal if they don't actually know him? Oh, his his he had a very unfortunate passing in his family you know, a couple years ago in, in 2020. And so uh, Zegers must have said something about that. And so all of a sudden, this started picking up steam, an avalanche started forming. And Craig Morgan, the reporter for the Arizona Coyotes, had to go out of his way to clarify and, and report and ask the team and ask sources that if indeed Zegers said anything about uh, Troy Stetcher's father and his family it turned out to be no. And then later on, the day after that, we got more confirmation. Andy Strickland, I believe it was, said again that this was not what was said. So, yep, that's pretty much it. Like, that's what happened. <laughs> but in the interim, though, before those reports came out, people were convinced that that's what he said because of a lip reading, essentially. That if you look at the clip where they're going at it between each other, if you read Zegers's lips, you might interpret it as saying something about Stetcher's dad. And we don't even need to repeat that because honestly, it doesn't bear repeating what people thought it was. But the point is people were convinced that Zegers had said something based on a lip read. And also just this is my opinion here, but based on just kind of confirmation bias. What do we know about Troy Stetcher? What could have Zegers have possibly said? I also think there was a little bit of bias baked into that. I think what I realized out of all this is that there's a lot of people out there that I think have an inherent bias against Trevor's egress because whether it's being the flippy puck kid, whether the fact that he is a confident guy, yeah, like all these different, different things. I think there's a lot of people out there that essentially have a very big bias against, against Trevor's egress. I saw it in my mentions. Some people saying that he, he, he has an attitude issue that he is stuck up or whatever. And it's just like these things that I didn't actually know. Like I got the Detroit, like people saying that like, Oh, he's just a flippy pup puck kid. Like if you don't actually watch him and, and watch his game, sure, whatever, that you might have that opinion. But it was interesting to see how many people kind of had the this view of him as kind of being the a scumbag in some ways on the ice. And yeah. I'm just like, what? As someone who watches the Ducks, like, sure, he gets into it. You think back to when he scored the goal against the Bruins, kind of screamed at Trent, Trent Frederick afterwards because Frederick elbowed him in the face and Marchand kind of comes at, at him afterwards. And so Zegers does play a little bit of an emotional game, but it's just well, he's really... also he's definitely a heel. I would say he oh, definitely he definitely gets under people's skin. I think that he he plays into that, and 
And and I mean, Dallas Aikens even spoke to this. Like it, it gets them off their game. Yeah. And that that's that's part of his on ice persona. But that doesn't mean that he's actually saying anything. No. In that yeah, universe. It, it, exactly. And so it's just. I mean, you can even here's it, what's funny is people kind of look at the quotes from the the Coyote side of things, which are just simply from the Craig Morgan thing of uh, that something inappropriate was said. Yeah. And and Troy Stetcher very mel- might very well might think that it's his prerogative. He's allowed to feel that way, think that way, and everything like that. But I think it's important to at least highlight the duck side of it because at the end of the day, we have no idea what was said um, on the ice. We have no idea what happened. And so I think just having both sides of it and is important. And at the end of the day, we kind of just don't know. But Segris's quote was, I'm uh, about this uh, with receiving a 10 minute misconduct. He's like, I'm not sure it was pretty standard trash talk. If he wants to act like that, it's totally fine. Said Dallas Akins, have at it. This is a game. If you can throw the other team off kilter, throw them off. I said it to Ducks assistant coach Newell Brown on the bench. He's egress is right in their head. They're all messed up and they're going to be even matter when he scores the winner. <laughs> and so I, I think that that is kind of interesting to hear Dallas Akins because I feel like if something really did truly cross the line, there were plenty of other ducks there that probably would have said something to Dallas Akins. And this is me kind of making assumptions fully yeah. at that. I think we just need to be clear about okay, this is like this is a fact, this is like something that actually happened, what was said, and then this is like opinion. Yeah, and so this is my opinion. And we've seen Dallas Akins not shy away from being critical of, of Trevor Zegris when need to when need to be, when he feels like it's the right time. Anything along those lines. And Everything we know about Dallas Akins is sure, maybe X's and O's, their issues, but it seems like at least from a moral character, moral character type of way, that's something that really he holds himself up to all these different things. And so I feel like if that would have come up, he would not be out here saying this same type of thing. And so that's just my personal opinion on it. I think at the end of the day, we just don't know what was said. We're never going to know what was said. And so I think just the biggest frustration that I have all out of all of this is the character assassination that we've seen on Trevor Zegris. Yeah. And like you, you saw it. We had someone ask us to, to mention our opinions on the John Scott podcast and you and I both briefly listened to it. And it's just like, that just shows don't go listen to it. By the way, we did it for you. You should not go listen to that podcast. It was not great. What was said. It basically was more or less along the lines of this guy should never come on the, our show ever. We don't want him here. He's along the same lines as a Vander King. That was more yeah. or less the, the what was said. And it's just like that's exactly the point of it, though. Rumors are causing this character assassination. Well, and I think like, that that's the, the people people kind of sneered at when I said that in a tweet. But like that matters. Like if, if this becomes people's impression of. Well, people's, you know, that's a very loose term, a, a, a substantial percentage of the population's view of Trevor Zegers. Like that's that's problematic because, again, like we've been saying, it's all hearsay. It's all just speculation. And it's it's basically provably false. It's people have come out and said this is yeah. not what happened. So, yeah. And that is an issue. And I think back, I, I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast and they mentioned this. They that I don't know if you remember this, but there was a moment. I think it was either this season or last year. Morgan Riley said uh, rag it to like rag the puck, rag the puck, rag it around the net. And it got caught by the the cameras and people thought he was saying a slur mm-hmm. and or got caught by the audio. And you could because it's that you can't really make out exactly what it was. And so people assume the worst instead of exactly. what it actually was. Yeah. And so it's that type of thing where granted that one, it was easy to explain away. 
what it was, luckily. But it's still, it's just like, maybe don't jump to these conclusions. And, I mean, Heyo Deflo says in our Twitch chat, and I think that this is very true. Unfortunately, perception at times can be reality. Well, I also just think that there's a substantial percentage of hockey fans that are just that just don't like Trevor Zegers. If you yes. read, this might not be the best barometer, but if you just read the NHL's pages, Instagram comments, anytime there's a Zegers post, which there tends to be a lot of, people are just destroying him. And this is not new. This is, this is pre- Arizona incident um, and yeah I mean we have a minute left on this topic so I just my favorite my favorite thing to come from all of this is just me googling uh, is lip reading reliable and I just love this study that said that basically the results revealed that the mean lip reading score so this is just in visual only sentence recognition was 12.4% correct with a standard deviation of 6% so at best you're going to get about, at, at, at most, one out of five words correct. Just if we're treating this study, like, seriously, which, I mean, it's from the National Health Institute. So just goes to show, don't base opinions on people on lip reading until you actually know what was said. I yep. think that that's the, the big picture takeaway here. We have 40 seconds left in this topic. Anything else that uh, you want to say? Um, The only thing left is one of the things that, because of all of this that got swept under the rug because of this fake lip ring thing is Tyson Nash was left off the hook or left off the hook. Basically. Um, he had some awful comments on air that were not about, um, yeah, I don't even remember what they were to be honest. It it was basically more or less kind of saying, shouldn't they be afraid? I guess I don't remember either fully. So I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I would need to go back and, and listen it. But I just remember it was not great. Um, yeah, and, and that kind of really gets lost in the way, uh, lost in the story and such a shame because I mean, to be honest, he should catch a lot of flack for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Tyson Nash. I think we just, yeah, he's just like a parody of himself at this point. Okay. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we covered that. I think it was important to briefly discuss, but it's funny though, as, as time passes, how when you talk about it and you just go over the facts, you kind of realize like, oh wow, this was actually kind of. A we nothing, don't know. We we just don't burger. know anything about it. And it's not yeah. anything that should have really been a headline. Yeah. Although, I man, I gotta say though, like I I tweeted, not even really in defense of Trevor Zegers, although effectively it was, but just saying like, hey, we don't know. This is unfair. Blah blah. And the amount of hate, like I don't think I've ever received that many hateful replies, like personal attacks. Uh, to any single tweet on on Twitter. It was very, very distressing. Anyway, so let's move forward here. Let's move on from this controversy and talk about the Ducks season. And just, it almost feels like an afterthought at this point because the Ducks are obviously not making the playoffs. They are not, uh, I mean, some of these games have not really been competitive. They're, yeah. they're vying for Connor Bedard at this point. So, we still need to take stock of what's happened though. And we, and we need to put it into context and we need to figure out what it means for this team. So the assignment today was we each do three takeaways, our own personal takeaways from the season. I didn't give any guidelines, no parameters whatsoever. We didn't tell each other our takeaways before this, and we'll just go over them one by one here and figure out what, to, what to do with this season and, and what, to, what our thoughts should be moving forward. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to hear this. Why don't you give people uh, your first takeaway here? All right. So, all right. I'm going to go with, I have three listed. I was debating which one I was going to say first. And as Felix is 
letting out his cat. I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to start bright and cheery. Okay. And go with the bright spot for this team. There's obviously a lot of negatives, but I want to start on a positive note. Is with the young offensive players. And specifically, to kind of get into the weeds, it's how they've been on the power play. Hmm. So, I don't know. Have you... um, have you looked at their numbers, just on ice, on ice numbers, and kind of how many chances they generate and where they are in relation to the league? Yeah, I mean, I've I've followed it throughout the season. I don't know the most up to date numbers, but they've been good. Yes, and so kind of if you look at some of the numbers, they are currently sitting at about nine and a half expected goals for per sixty. Um, and so if you were to look at the league average, or not league average, but look at the league, the best. Power plays in the league. The three best are the Oilers, the Stars, the Wild. They're all above 10. If the Ducks just played that first unit solely and they kept that rate going throughout, mm-hmm. that would be the eighth best power play from a chance oh, yeah. generation power play in the league. I remember the stat, yeah. And that second unit, though, <laughs> they generate about six. Some of them are above six. Some of them, most of them are below six. That would put them as if that was the Ducks power play for the entirety of the power play. That would put them at uh, sorry, thirty first in the league. I thought they were league worst, but the Flyers are at five point oh four actually. Yeah, I think the hard thing with these stats though is that all of these numbers could be better or worse, right? Like the, like the Oilers would be obviously like they would be so much lower if you took out their first unit. The Stars, you know, so you could kind of so, do the split. It's funny that you bring that up. Because this is where I'm going with that. Is if you look at those power plays, right? Let's just you, take the If oil. you ranked all the first units, I wonder how I'm not even work. talking ranking the first units. But I'm talking about those higher-end power plays. Mm-hmm. You look at the Oilers. Connor McDavid is on the ice for about 80% of the Oilers' power play. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the total time on ice that the Oilers have had and how many what McDavid's time on ice on the power play has been, 80% of the Oilers' power play time has been McDavid. Mm-hmm. You look at the Wild, for instance, also a top three team in terms of generating chances. Kaprizov is at 75%. I only did it for those two. I'd be curious what the, and maybe kind of while you're going, I'll take a quick look at what the, the stars would be. Well, what's what's the expected goals per 60 when McDavid's out in the ice in the power play? Uh, I can look that up pretty quickly, so give me one second here. But when you look at the Ducks, though, yeah, guess what uh, Trevor Zegers is at? Just in just the raw XG? No, no, no. I'm not talking raw XG. I'm talking time on ice. Because that eight, sorry, the 80% was how much of the Oilers' time on ice McDavid is out there for from a power play oh, perspective. I would bet like less than 50. Uh, so, sorry. So McDavid's out there and generates 11.74 expected goals, four per 60 when he's out there. The Oilers overall are over 10. Mm-hmm. So it's a drop off, but it's going from 11.7 to 10 point something. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ducks, on the other hand, go from nine and a half with Zegers out there down to eight. Yeah. So about one and a half. So close. But when Zegers is on the uh, – so just going back to the time on ice perspective of this, Zegers is at 62%. So above 50%, but that's what you would expect because here is this. The first unit has scored 20 power play goals. When you score a power play goal, what happens? The power play ends. So that means for that shift where over those 20 power play goals, that they were out there for 100% of the power play. 
So obviously just kind of by that logic, they're going to be out there for over 50% of the time when you're the first unit out there first. And so when you look at that, 62% is way too low. Right. It yes. should be. And that's kind of where I'm going. Well, with especially, all of this. Con- especially considering how bad the second unit is. If, if they had a competent second unit, maybe sure you could defend it. But as you've stated, the second unit is just so bad. So my takeaway is very mathy, very nerdy, but that's how yeah, I am. That was, I, I feel like I just, I had to, to put my thinking hat on there. Pretty much the, the ducks power play for the first unit. If they played the entire time and kept up the same rates, they would be a top 10 power play in the league in terms of generating chances. And at the end of the day, Zegris, it's basically, as we all know, a 50, 50 split in terms of power play time on ice. You look at some of the best power plays in the league, a 50, 50 split is not what they're doing. No, no. And that's, it's, it's just troubling that they're not getting, I just feel like it's so obvious how bad the second unit is that it should be compulsory to give the, the first unit even more time, but yep. We're not seeing that. So I'll kind of just piggyback off of that that takeaway and because this one is a bit similar. But my my big overarching takeaway here is that the Ducks are fine down the middle long term. With Trevor Zegers, he's shown I think he's taken a true step forward this year. It's not it's not a huge step, but I think he's shown big progress this year and in, in some key areas. I think he's gotten better defensively. He's gotten better offensively. And now he's getting the production to match. The production is the only thing really that hasn't taken that big leap forward. But I think as he gets, as this power play unit continues to get time, because they, they basically didn't come together until December, that's just going to continue. So he's been very good. And Mason McTavish, who just turned 20 years old, I think he's shown enough to where I'm very confident that he's going to be a top six center. I don't know how good he's going to be, but he has all the makings of a very good first or second line center. And and you could you could debate whether, you know, how high his ceiling is, but I think his floor is clearly a top six center. Like, I don't see a scenario where Mason McTavish ends up being a, a third line center, for example. Do yeah, you? I, no, I don't. I okay. think he's a top. He's a top. I think the only way he would be a quote unquote third line center is if the Ducks have three top line centers. Yeah. If you if you draft a Bedard or yeah. Fantilli or... Carlson exactly. or what have you. So, and then outside of that, I think everything else is up in the air down the middle. I think that so many different things could happen. I mean, maybe Nathan Gauthier becomes something. Maybe Isaac mm-hmm. Lindstrom continues his strong play as of late. Maybe Ryan Strom sticks at center, even though he hasn't been playing center consistently as of late. But I think having Zegers and McTavish locked down, and presumably you're going to get a center, maybe, maybe not, in this draft, I mean, d- depending where the Ducks pick, although they should be picking pretty high, I just think that that is a position where they are completely set for the foreseeable future. Oh, so this is not about either of our takeaways, but it's something that I kind of want to ask you about anyways. Mm-hmm. What have you, what has your thoughts been about uh, Isaac Lundestrom since he's returned? Because we're talking about centers, talking about center depth, and kind of looking at the long-term projection of this team. Mm-hmm. What has your thoughts been on Isaac Lundestrom since he's come back? I think he's played well, and I think that he's a lot of the a lot of what we see with Lundstrom. I think is still very much dependent on who he's playing with, and he's had some time with Contois, and Contois is a guy who can read off of playmaking center. I still think that there's some issues in Lundstrom's game, but for what he just is right now at age 23, I think he's an NHL player. Like I, I don't th- you know I'm not like yeah. down on him to the point of saying he's never going to be a true 
you know, top, you know, guy that's in the lineup every mm-hmm. night. But I, I, I don't know exactly how high his ceiling is, but I think that he's, he's just kind of settling in to where he's going to be. And maybe there's a little bit more than we thought, but I need to see more before kind of getting too excited. Yeah. I, I think that coming back from the injury, he's looked better than he did at the start of the year for sure. I think he did just kind of looked off. His game didn't look there. I think what he did do well last year, he did not necessarily do well this year. I think what he's done well since returning is he's transitioned the puck back, gone back to that. We've talked about that at length, that one of the things that he does so, so well is that he transitions the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone. I think we've seen that from time to time. The main issue is there's still times this happens, but the puck dies on a stick um, in the offensive zone. But I think he's shown more of a willingness to create offense or dish the puck once he gets in the offensive zone. And I think that if he can kind of pick that up, he's, he's, I mean, long-term, he's basically a fourth line center for this team. Like if you look at the long-term projection, that's probably where he's going to slot in. He's 23 years old, going to be 24 next year. So it's kind of going to be one of those things when the ducks enter their contending window, where does he fit in this lineup? I think he's the fourth line center. Yeah. And I think it's noteworthy that, you know, the ducks haven't been good defensively when he's been on the ice, but they haven't, they also haven't been any worse. Like his impact has just kind of been neutral in that end. So there's some good signs there, and I think that he's gonna get he's gonna get another contract, and he's just gonna be kind of an affordable depth piece for this yep. team. I don't yep. really see any issues, and I mean next year he's making still 1.8 million. So even if he does take this big step forward, he's at least gonna be at a discount for yep for that season. So all right, want well, my second takeaway? Let's hear it. All right, this is kind of a broad overarching one, but I think it's important to take our lumps. And the Ducks have been at five on five and just in general, they've been significantly worse than we expected. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that may fall on our expectations were a bit too high. I think putting them in the 90 point range were probably too high. I think specifically, yeah. <laughs> especially for this defense with, I think we, we were reading the best case scenario for this defense. And I think we weren't necessarily giving too much credit or credence to the idea that, you are turning over your defense, and I granted Jamie it was half of the defense were getting flipped. Um, three new guys, or no, well, I guess only two. It's also just hard to make an almost twenty point jump from one season to the next. True, but I think Drysdale getting hurt maybe hurts from that perspective. But there's a whole lot of things. But I think they've the been end, so bad though that I don't think that. that yeah, is, I, yeah, I, I think kind of getting back to it. I think maybe there were certain things we should have seen coming, but I mean, you look at any of the projections. Maybe we should have been lower, but I think everyone's been off. And I think well, that that that's the funny thing is I remember in the beginning of the season when some of the projections came out and had the Ducks a little like lower than we thought. You were very adamant about oh that's that's wrong, or you pushed back on that heavily. Did I? So no, I you, just I, you did. I, said, I, I I can I can I have receipts for this. I remember having to kind of talk you down or try to talk you down, and you would you were just having none of it. I said they were well within the standard deviation. Mm, no, 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 no. I said that these models don't you, are... Don't these, you skirt this. These models are showing them in the 83, 84 point you range. Can't, you can't matrix your way out of this. I'm sorry. With a standard deviation of like seven or eight points. That puts them... But um, So getting back to the whole point of this, I think a large part of this season and the expectations essentially not being met with the team fall on the coaching staff. Because there's been a whole lot of misusage. We talked about it with the power play at times. We've talked about it with defensive zone structure. We've talked about it at, at length. How many episodes of the show have we talked about different line combinations? 
And so I think the biggest takeaway from this season is that Dallas Aikens just has done a very poor job. Okay, so, I, so I, is that the takeaway? Because I feel like we've we've kind of snaked through three different ones here. The takeaway, here's what I have written down. Okay. The, the Ducks at 5-on-5 five five have been significantly worse than expected. Maybe our expectations were too high, but a large amount of this falls on the coaching staff. Okay. Wow, that's a that's an interesting takeaway. But anyway, continue. continue. Wow, wow. No, no, um, I, I agree with it, but it's just anyway. It, it it's encompassing a lot of things. I'll I, ha- I have to like I have to like piece my way through it to figure out what's the actual takeaway. But anyway, the takeaway is that the coaching staff has caused a huge negative impact on this team. I think it's one that's really hurt them to a major extent. I think that they are starting to find their way because. Are you, are you seeing Twitch I, is now... I'm speak? being accused of bullying you. Yes, yes. And so I, I think we're definitely seeing that Dallas Higgins is just not up to the job. No. No, and I think that this actually... I had a takeaway for this, but I have a couple backups because I figured this might come up. But yes, they just need a new coach because the, the big problem with that is that we still like... It's hard to be fully confident that we know for sure what's going on with this roster. And, yeah. the, and this in the individual pieces because Aikens has just had such a net negative effect over the years. Yep. So, yes, they need a new coach. I just think that they there you need a new voice, you need a new mind back there because otherwise, we just yeah. are, how how are we ever going to know really for sure? And it's I hard. think I think on that point also we're seeing all the guys that have left really thrive and. Like the, the the thing with this Aikens comment is it's not to dismiss the fact that yes, like the roster I think we overestimated, but we also knew that Aikens was not a good coach going into this. So it's it's this weird chicken or the egg balance that we're trying to strike here. Yeah, and so but we've we've seen guys that have been successful elsewhere now come to Anaheim and struggle, and we've seen guys that were struggling in Anaheim go elsewhere and thrive. And yep. what's the common denominator there? Yep, exactly. Yep. So okay. I'll give you I'll give you a takeaway here. And this may be a little doom and gloom, but Okay. I think that the I have two versions of this written. And one of them is more negative, so I'll just I'll stick with that. Why not? This team is further away than we thought. I think okay. that right right now and so my more uh, diplomatic wording here is the timeline may be longer for this team's contention. Okay. I just think that there's so much work to do for this team to build its way back to a playoff contender. And, and then from there, a Stanley cup contender. I mean, you have your blue line right now. You have three guys that are probably gone next season, you know, Klingberg, Kulikov, Shattenkirk. You, you're going to have to build that back up and you just don't know how many blue liners are going to be able to step in next year and have an immediate impact. Your Minchukovs, your Zellweggers, your Hellisons, how good are they going to be immediately? And then up front, the Ducks forward depth is also not great. And in San Diego, you don't have these great signs of these guys that are ready to come up and make an impact in your bottom six, or at least we just don't know because they haven't been called up. So maybe the Ducks are actually not that far off. Maybe they're just a year away, or maybe they'll turn a big corner next year. But Pat Verbeek just has a lot of work to do to get this team to be competitive. I think, I think that, that I think that's the better takeaway because I don't think – Personally, I don't know if I'd change that contending window because I think that the timeline is still the same in my mind. 
Maybe it's one year later than I had originally But I just thought. think, like, the, the, the well, issue for me is just that the amount of moves that you need so, to make. L- hear me out here. Hear me out here, though. What is usually dictating the timeline? Star talent. Mm-hmm. The Ducks have that now. And they have yes. that. At, and it's about acquiring that in the system. They have that at center. They have that on the blue line. They potentially have that in goal also with Lucas Dostal. Well, like, they have they have John Gibson locked up for another four years. So. Yes, and and so I don't think that the timeline's really any longer than we thought because the timeline would be significantly longer if none of that was there and those guys were all in the NHL right now and they weren't producing and it was basically where they were at three or four or five years ago, whenever it was that Sam Steele started breaking into the league that Max Jones and none of the guys really became any sort of impact NHLer that the the people maybe had hoped for their ceiling. And I think the, we're seeing the proof is in the pudding that acquiring that star talent doesn't necessarily need to happen because they have that in the Trevor's Eagers. They have that in the Mason McTavish. They have that in the Olin Zellweger. Granted, we need to see it at the NHL level, but they like all signs yes. are pointing to towards Zellweger and Minchukov being star level NHL players. Yes, and, 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 and but when will that happen, though, is the question. So I don't know if the, the timeline changes, though, because the contending window was always... I think well, the hope we was, thought that they were going to take a big step next year. Yes. We and thought so, this year was going to be a step towards competitiveness yes. and next year and towards And so class. maybe it's one year different, so you might have that. But I think that... I think the better takeaway is that there's a lot of work for Rubik to be done to build outside of those guys, but that is what sets your window is those guys and those guys have been there this entire time. So that's why I don't think that's changing necessarily, but I think that there's a lot of work to be done to hit that. Yes. And that's why I think that it's probably, it's probably safer to say that the timeline may be a little longer because a lot of things need to happen in a short amount of time for this team to get I to think a higher level. I still think they're, I mean, I'm being overly optimistic oh, no. right now. Are you, are you, are you doing this? And we need to see what happens in the offseason. Oh, uh, don't couch it. Don't. But don't I think they're going to be they're going to be trying to push for the playoffs next year. Oh, that's I, that's not what you were going to say. That's what? not what you're going to say. But that's what do you fine. think I was going to say? I think they're going to make the playoffs next year. No, I wasn't going to say that. You need to see what happens in the offseason. Uh, reading your uh, lips, I think that's what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Felix, I'm muting myself. Well, uh, fi- re- uh, tell everyone what I'm saying. I cannot tell. <laughs> I, I don't want to do this. Turn your mic back on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What did, did you actually say anything? Of, of I no? did. I did. What did you say? I'm not saying. It's okay. up for people well, to read my well, lips. Well, I guess Craig Morgan will have to text, text you <laughs> and, and ask you what was said. I, I definitely said nothing about your dad. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, no problem. Okay. So, yes, I just think it's going to be difficult. And that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's well, just they have that a bevy of, they have a bevy of picks and prospects that we've said this for a long time now, right? That you don't necessarily have to take players with those seconds. Think about how many picks they have. Um, yes. But, and, but Pat Verbeek may just use those picks, though. He might. And so it, it's we need to see what happens. I just think that uh, a statement stated, stating right away that the window may have shifted, I think, isn't necessarily accurate. I think that there's maybe the better way to put it is there's a lot of work to be done to hit that window that we were expecting. Well, I did say that. No, I know. And I said, 
I added, I was like, I think that's the takeaway. And I said the timeline may be longer. So this yeah. isn't this isn't guaranteeing yep. that it will be longer. Yep. I'm just adding context. You are slandering me, and I don't appreciate it. Um, uh, <laughs> Puck Empire is going to put yeah, out a, a, an Instagram story. What does HT stand for? Hat tip. Oh, wow. That's really weird. Okay. Like they're tipping um, the hat to you. It, it, there's going to be something on there tomorrow basically stating, uh, uh, per Felix Sicard, the Ducks are now in year two of a rebuild. Three years until contention. Yeah, that was that was really funny. Because I, anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away trade secrets here. But you you, you don't want to pull th- you don't want to pull back the curtain. If you want the curtain pulled back, join our join our Patreon, yeah, get in our tr- Discord because that is actually where the curtain was pulled back for this. Uh, okay, let's hear your third takeaway. Um, the offseason acquisitions at this point in time have not worked. Hmm. Like it's just a straight up thing. Ryan Strom on the wing. Okay, that's worked for a couple of games. We'll see where it goes from here. But in Frank the Toronto glo- scored at a hat trick recently. In the global sense, the moves that Pat Verbeek made in the offseason have not worked. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm not necessarily changing my opinion of Pat Verbeek. I think that um I think that there's still a lot at play, there's still a lot of things moving throughout all this, and we can also look at the fact that he was supposedly very far in on Nino Niederreiter and Evan Rodriguez. Yes. Um, and, and so I think that there was a lot more at play there. But the moves they made in the offseason to supposedly improve the team just simply have not worked. They and have not improved the team. <laughs> they, they have not. And so I think that that is notable, and I think that it's just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, if, if anything, they've made the team worse. With yeah, their play. and I mean, Nicholas Rage brings up a good point. Don't know how fair it is to evaluate these moves until we see them under a new coach. Yes. And that's a fair point, but it still is. These are guys that that Pat Verbeek went out of his way, Stroman Vitrano to sign on the first day of free agency, and they've been two of the worst guys on the team this year. Yeah, I, I think so. This I guess are it's it's hard for me to duck and dodge your your takeaways where we overlap. But my backup takeaway was just that I think the jury is arguably still out on Verbeek. Yeah, I, I think ask- that I think that if you look at the 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 kind of global picture here of what he's done i think the moves are they none of them have worked out in in the in the short term you know john klingberg's still gonna get traded they're still gonna get something for him so that's I, that's still a win that deal i'm still very much a fan of but i think we, that the the ryan strom contract is looking just like a terrible decision yeah i think that we need to net we need to see what happens with a new coach but still though i mean a five-year deal for a guy that's entering the decline who mm-hmm. arguably can't really drive a line on his own, right? This is kind of something that we would probably maybe should have been a bit more critical of, I think. Yeah, no, hindsight. no, definitely. I, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But and Vetrano v- is just kind of a, a nothing to me because it's a short-term deal. It's it's low money. But if I think that there's there's other kind of things we need to look at with Verbeek. I think that the really kind of fine-toothed moves right on the fringes, have not worked out. I mean, the choice to bring Nathan Bolio onto this team and then actually make him a part of this team after training camp as just it's just kind of a, a galaxy brain type move. And then I think that the way that San Diego has been handled, you know, bringing a guy in Roy Sommer who's on the back nine who's just not really going to be there long term, and and the way that they've completely flamed out. I, I'm not writing off Paverbeek by any stretch of the imagination. This is clearly a long game for him, and so the jury is out. That's the takeaway. 
but it's just the early returns aren't so encouraging. No. And so while I think the Strom deal you can certainly be critical of, I want to see him under a new coach before seeing yeah. where that value comes well, and, and if even that under the current the coach. Yes, and, and even under the current coach, in a better role, he's also looked better. So Yeah, and, and put on a wing. And $5 million in the current NHL for a second-line winger, that's kind of about the going rate, right? Yeah. And so if that's what he can become, that's great. And I think the other thing is this is not necessarily from an evaluation of the contract, but from a long-term planning. I don't think that Strom deal is going to kill anything because no. I think that the reason why we were so critical of the Henrik and Silverberg is where the Ducks were at and kind of really trying to get the final juices out of things. And it really just put them in some cap binds in different situations by doing that. They're not in those situations anymore. Henrik and Silverberg are coming off the book. Sure. Zegris, Terry, all these guys are going to have to get re-signed. That's in the, the thing. This is, they're they're going to be in a, they might be in a cap bind at some point, but the there is going to be, contract. but the Henrik and Silverberg contracts are coming off the books soon. And who knows if those guys are even still here next season. And, and so yeah. I, I <laughs> for, think for that, much different reasons. Yeah. And so I think that you look at outside of Strom, like, if those two guys are gone, Strom's the highest earner on this team at five mil. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not not that big of a deal to me. I think you can be critical well, of the no. value they're getting uh, back right now. John Gibson. Sorry, yeah, John Gib. Uh, yeah, sorry, you're right. I more so was looking at forward. Actually, Cam Fowler. <laughs> yeah, no, I realized yeah. I realized that I meant out of the forward group. Yes, how I should have out of that. out of the yeah out of the forward group. Yep. So, yeah, and, and so I just don't think it's that huge deal. Let me ask you this though. Because this is a question I oh, have written oh, as sorry, part of just my takeaway. W- one more note I just wanted to add on yeah, the San Diego it. thing. The, the, my concern with San Diego isn't even so much that they've lost It's th- this many games. It's just that there's no one that seems primed to come up and contribute at the NHL level. And I think that's the bigger concern. Yep. Do you think that if the Ducks had gotten Nino Niederreiter, are we talking about a different, different story for this team? <sighs> Given how bad they've been, I have a hard time imagining that. But I think that... If you put a Nito Nito rider on this team, the I think that the forward kind of just line balance looks a lot better. I think that the, the pieces kind of are put in their more natural order, but I don't think that it makes a substantial difference, though. Agreed. It yeah. was just a thought when I was maybe, like talking about his offseason. Maybe Nito Rider plus Rodriguez. Eh, you know, maybe. But then if they get Nito Rider, then do they actually seek out Rodriguez, right? So it's. I just the, the given how horrendous they've been. Uh, how about this? Healthy Drysdale plus Nita Ryder plus Rodriguez. <laughs> is this team in the playoffs? No, no clue. No, probably not because the, the defensive zone coverage is probably still an absolute mess. Exactly, and that's the so, big problem. All right, before we get into questions, want to bring this up. Mark Stone was announced as being done for the year. Yes. Do you think that there's a potential fit there for Adam Henrique? Well, and what would the Vegas Golden Knights have to give up to make that work? Because yes, I, I took a look at this. Mm-hmm. They could the Golden Knights if the Ducks retained, because uh, I, there's not going to be double retention in this. It's very difficult to get another team to do retention for a deal that goes in the next year. If the Ducks were to trade Henrique, it's going to just have to be the Ducks retaining and eating some of that salary for next year. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to have money coming off the books with Aiden Hill's contract being up at the end of this year and Laurent Brassois, who's currently in the minors and has a $1.2 million cap hit from the Barry penalty. 
that frees up over $3 million for them. Sure, they mm-hmm. have to sign another goalie, but Logan Thompson's their starter, um, and he signed on his ELC for the next three years. And so if you bring in a Adam Henrique uh, at a half-retained at, what is it, like 2.8, 2.9, that fits right there. Yeah. Like, you're almost making that up. Phil, Ke- if, And if you replace Phil Kessel with a, ELC, a guy on an ELC next year, things like that, like, I think that there's a way that they can make it work. The question is, what would the return have to be? And that's a great question because be- the, the, the Golden Knights don't have a lot to offer. And you also have to factor in, not only are you trading the player, but if you're retaining, you're retaining this year and next. And so we've we've seen what re- what just purely taking on a salary dump is, um, how much that gets you. I think Marlowe at like six or seven mil got a first round pick. And so I think that's typically five to seven mil if you just take on that for a year is about a first round so pick. So who, who would be that contract though coming back? But no, no, no. But so where I'm getting at with this is that I think that when you look at this trade and just simply say it's the Ducks sending Henrique and retaining half, the um, and they're retaining half, they're getting both the player and the salary retention. Yeah. So I think with that, I think you could honestly make a good assessment that you should get a first round pick for Adam Henrique with that. Yeah, I think. And Vegas has a first. They have their first. I think that that's probably the best you can do if that's just that's the deal. If there's just no no other pieces, because they're not they're not going to give up their better prospects, you know, for a deal like this. But I wonder if do you don't think so? You're saying a first round pick instead of let's say two picks, two lower picks, because to me that like you were saying, there's two assets. There's Henrique. And then there's the fact that they're retaining money. And so both of those things are each individually worth something. Yeah. But that just adds up to a first-round pick. Yep, I think that would all add up to a first-round pick. Is that a disappointing return for Adam Henrique? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Is that something worth trading Adam Henrique for? That's the thing to me is that Adam Henrique is a is still playing very well for his yep. age and he's he's on a like reasonable contract especially given the fact that the Ducks can retain I feel like a first round pick is just kind of low for for what he is to me if if you're if you want to dance with the Golden Knights just try to get a try to get a prospect as well I just don't know who that would be because they don't have the most uh intriguing prospect pool i mean brendan brisson yeah if you could somehow pry him but do they you would get that he's probably their best i mean zach dean they they just drafted maybe but i just don't i don't really see what the kind of interest would be for the duck side of things yeah and i I know a lot of people are saying like uh firebites is saying um the a first round pick it would be a perfect return um for this loaded draft I feel like I've heard lately that the top end of this draft obviously is super, super high end. There's a lot of really good guys. But it's not as if the back end of it is actually no. that deep. It's no. no different than a normal draft. I think that I think this draft has been oversold in a way. I think it's um, oversold because the top five are insane. Yeah, like well, it's more like the top fifteen just seems like a really strong, deep group. The yeah. top the top four to five let's call it the top four are really, yeah. really good. But that's that's it, and so that only really matters for you know the pick that you actually own. Yeah, so a, I don't think that really matters Vegas. for the Vegas pick. I do yeah. think that getting a first round pick would be a good return though for Adam Henrique. Um, well, the, considering the is, his considering his contract, yes, and age and everything along those lines. So, and 
I've seen some people, I think ex, uh, Nicholas Rage brought up, maybe a third team gets involved for a bigger return to retain twice. So that wouldn't get the Ducks actually a bigger return. That would just get that extra team Yeah, that would some get them return. something. Yeah. And it would have to be actually a pretty decent return because of the retention into next year. You can't just retain for this season and then next year you don't. If you're retaining, then you're retaining for the entirety of that contract. Yeah, I. it feels almost like a bit of a lackluster return, but... You have to be a little pragmatic here and think, well, Adam Henrique's been great up to this point, but can you really count on that again for next year? Well, it, would he get you a first round pick as a rental? Exactly. So I think that that's, I think why people have such a hard time. And when I see people, I mean like NHL GMs, think back to Bomber. I have such a hard time trading the year before you're in your final year because it just feels like a risky play almost. But I think it's, it's riskier to wait it out because you're probably, that asset's going to depreciate. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Adam Henrique, with a year and a half left on his contract at two point nine million, would be a fantastic get for any team that they would easily value. Also, and, this is this is going to anger some some Ducks fans, but Adam Henrique would be fun on the Golden Knights. That's that's such a perfect fit for him. Agreed. I hate it, but it, it's kind of a very like he helps them so much he helps them so much and so i think it's a perfect fit that would work well um i hate it i hate that it would work and yeah (laughs) but yeah wearing that those those beautiful golden jerseys talking about i guess just speculating on on places for for ducks to go ducks players to go before we get we'll get to questions eventually Mm -hmm. i was listening to you texted me today lambert took me a minute to realize what you meant (laughs) Then it was oh, yeah, because... and I never replied to you asking no. me to clarify. No, and it's because Ryan Lambert was on the PDO cast, and so I was yeah. listening to that, and as I was driving home, I realized why, and I realized you put some stuff in Discord about the LA Kings, I guess, need a goalie. Did I say that in Discord? You had said Anthony Stolarz to the Kings? Oh, that's right. I did say that, yeah. Do you yeah. think that that's something that will be looked at? Oh, thank you for reminding me of my own speculation that occurred <laughs> mere hours ago. Puck Empire. I, the Ducks and Kings are talking about Anthony Stolars. Well, yeah, they need a goalie, and I don't... I feel like the Kings still aren't ready to move out future pieces to, like, you know, significant future pieces to make their team better. So to me, Anthony Stolars is a great middle ground. I think the problem is, I just don't know, does the league actually view Anthony Stolarz as a viable That's the question. starter who can come in? Is he even, I mean, we don't really know. It's a, It'd be a gamble, but the, I think the thing with the Kings is that that's just a hedge on the other guys you have right now. But then, I, I think that for the Kings to make a move at, in net, it has to be someone who comes in as a clear upgrade over both guys who's going to play, who's going to start. And... Does Anthony Stolarz really displace automatically a Phoenix Copley or a Jonathan Quick for as you know for as shaky as they've been? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we yeah. do know that the LA Kings franchise is more analytically inclined. Maybe they've seen some of Stolarz's numbers over the years, and maybe they're higher on him. But I think they should do it because it's just a good flyer to take, and the the cost will be low. But yeah, neither here nor there, I suppose. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get to questions though. Yeah. 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 The four horsemen. (laughs) Why? If you know, you know. (laughs) Wow. 
Luke Cacius uh, gave us this question on the 31st, uh, saying, question of the pod, assuming the Ducks do, in fact, win the lottery, could you see whoever is coached next uh, next season run a few positionless lines and just let a line of Zegers, McTavish, and Bedard play? Oh, man. I don't... I think that maybe in a late game situation where you need to tie the game or you need to come back or a late power play or something like that, I could I could see that being the first power play unit. I mean, because Zegers and McTavish, are, you're already two-thirds of the way there, and I think why wouldn't you add Connor Bedard into that mix? So, yeah. I mean, it's actually... On the power play, it's very plausible, and that kind of makes me excited to think about what a power play with Connor Bedard, Mason McTavish, and Trevor Zegers would look like. But at 5 on 5 I think it would be more of a situational thing for sure. Yeah. Um, and then we had this camp come from Hockey Rush before the last pod, and I forgot about it, so my bad. So here's his question that still works and applies. The Ducks have been bad for years, not to mention the goals. It seems when players leave the Ducks, they are instantly better. Do you think it's the system they play that is the problem or coaching? The system they play in for, with the Ducks? Yeah. I think that, well, it's it's just it's so hard to say. I think it's a bit of both, where the Ducks are not a good situation for a lot of players. They're just a bad team. They they don't run good systems. The coaching is inefficient, ineffective. But also, they're going to just situations that are objectively much, much better. So, like, Hampus Lindholm, you can't ask for a better landing spot for him than, than the Boston Bruins. So, and maybe you could argue that, oh, the, the Bruins are so much better because of adding Hampus Lindholm. But it's just a bit of both. Yep. Boring answer. All right, now we're going to go to our Discord uh, for our Patreon members. Uh, Shocking911 said, who will have a better career, Troy Terry or Ricard Raquel? Huh. That's an huh. interesting question. I remember seeing that, and I th- I told myself I would research it, and I, <laughs> full disclosure, have not. But, I mean, Ricard Raquel has had a, a fine career. I mean, he has two 30-plus goal seasons. He's been a consistent offensive producer. But I think that... Troy Terry will have a better career. I think that Troy Terry is on a very good path here. Very good upward momentum. So. Yeah, I, I think. Ra- what... Raquel's already 29. And, you know, he had those two seasons, right? But ever since then, it's been a little shaky. Now he's on a bit of an upswing. But Yeah, I, I he definitely was snake bit at the uh, for his, like, age 25 to 27 season. Um, but he's definitely someone that really benefited from playing with Ryan Getzloff, which led to his 30 plus goal seasons. And that was kind of the edge of Ryan Getzloff's prime right there when he put up those numbers. And so I think the difference there is while Ricard Raquel was a good player, and I think someone that could really thrive with better players around him. I don't think he was really this great play driver, right? No. And no. I think Troy Terry is that. So I think when all is said and done, Troy Terry is going to have a better career as a result of that. Wow. Ricky hater. <laughs> and then he followed up uh, to the last question. Do you think the Ducks can lock up Terry for seven or eight years at $5 million? No. Same as Ricard Raquel makes right now. At $5 no. million, I mean, it would have to be a more than that. Yeah, I, I think because you're buying prime years, different kind of situation. I mean, personally, I don't – I would not want to – I like I want to see Terry for his own security get – Seven to eight years. If I was Pat Verbeek, I would not be giving out seven to eight. He's years got to kids Troy to Terry. feed now. He does. Kid, kid to child feed. Child on on the way. Child on the way. Yeah. Well, I think that the thing though is, if Terry gets into that neighborhood, though, I don't think the AAV is astronomically higher than that, though. I think it's probably in the six million, six yeah, or seven what, million. Yeah, I, I would say six ish. 
I think Zegers is going to be in the sevens. Yes. I don't think you see Terry get into the sevens. No. So, uh, Hey, Odifo said, who's the first duck to be traded before this year's deadline? So I don't know, but my guess would be that it'll be John Klingberg. Cause I think Puck. there's just probably the most interest on puck at my tomorrow. John Klingberg will be traded this week. versus the card. <laughs> Hey, I have now put out a tweet saying, unless I'm saying that this is sourced information, assume it's my opinion. So I have plausible deniability all day, every day now. Um, who's the first duck to be traded before this year's deadline? I'm going to go with Kevin Chattenkirk. Well, the ducks are trying to extend him, supposedly. This is not my sure. opinion. This is something I've read, but it, the statement yeah. is based on something I've read. Uh, you know what popped into my head with Kevin, Chatt- Kevin Chattenkirk? I wonder if the Lightning would be looking at bringing him back. Homecoming? That feels like a very Tampa Bay Lightning move. I think that they – I think I heard someone saying they need help on the blue line. I feel like – Does does Kevin Shattenkirk help them, though? I, but I think that that's like a franchise that really like values what someone's done for them and would kind of run it back with those guys. Well, also, to the thing we were just discussing about – players doing better once they leave Anaheim. I mean, this is probably a prime scenario for and, that. And it's dancing with someone they know. Yeah, and I mean, he can still add to their power play. He yeah. can still, although I don't know if they need help there, but anyway. But Ducks Jaggernaut said, between Zellweger and Minchukov, who gets more playing time with the Ducks next season, and what do you think their rookie season performances will look like? I think Zellweger, right? Because yeah, he's, he's, he's older, so I mean, he's closer. Barely. He like is. a month. Yes. Well, I it just not so much older, but just because a dra- of the f- a draft difference. Though. Because he was drafted before, because he has just had more time in junior, he's going to be he's going to play more games for the Ducks next year. Who and then the second part was who's going to have a greater impact? Uh, what do you think their rookie season performances will look like? I think it's going to be interesting for Minchukov because I do feel like he may struggle a little bit early on. I think that the way his game is, it's a little bit. You have to have a coach that's able to kind of let him go. Yeah. And I feel like you have to have a coaching staff ready for that. Exactly. And I feel like with Zellweger, he's a little bit more, he's a little bit more stable. He's just going to come in and do his thing immediately. I did see, speaking of, I I think you're right. I think Zellweger, I think maybe that reputation, I think two straight years of being one of the best defensemen in junior, I think that's going to end up getting him a bit more playing time there. Um, And I think, well, so, I think it'll be earned too. I just think that he comes in and just plays well immediately. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you also look at, I mean, even though he's a smaller guy, we hear all those stories, right, about how kind of he's built like a tank. <laughs> like, yeah. he seems like someone that's kind of more so his NHL ready in terms of his physical. Well, didn't Corey Promen have Nathan Gauthier ranked ahead of him in his prospect did rankings? He? I think he did. Wow. Scott Wheeler's came out today and he had Zellweger and Minchukov. Tell me like, you fell off without telling me you fell off by ranking Gauthier wow. ahead of Zellweger. Hey, sorry. Yeah. That's just, um, a, that's just a slip up. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I want to mention, I saw this stat. I think Saginaw, since they traded Minchukov, have lost every game. <laughs> and it's just like someone's like, it goes Junior to show. Junior hockey just, is silly. It just goes to show like how much he was holding that team together. Junior hockey is just stupid. And Hey Odifo said, "Will Dallas Aikens be the goals coach next season?" I don't buy this this kind of pet theory of his that, like, I guess I could. It, it's a I understand. Bad, it's, it's it's a bad theory, Mike. I understand like the thought process, which is that oh, he was supposedly good there before, and no one had a bad thing to say about him, and so now 
just put him back there. You want to keep his positive energy in the organization, but I just think it's time to close the book on this this chapter and get some new voices in there. Yep. All right. Now time for questions from our Twitch and YouTube. Um, so if you want to uh, watch us live, you can either find us at youtube.com slash crash pond or twitch.tv slash crash pond. Uh, if you want to support us, you can either do it on Twitch. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub gaming each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and it helps out more than you can imagine. You can also follow us on there. And you'll get notified when we go live. Um, but really easy way to help support us. That's completely free to you. Um, and then if you have YouTube, one of the things that we're trying to do on YouTube is really up our subscriber count, get more likes. We see how many people are watching our videos. Uh, if you're watching this and enjoy it, please like, and subscribe to the channel helps out significantly. So I will start with these one. These came from not a real duck on YouTube. He had two questions. He's like, what do you think about Troy Terry not being in any skills competitions this weekend? So, okay. What are the events? Need to know this. What are the events? Well, I'll look this up and I need to evaluate this claim by knowing I'll let you go to the second question though, as I'm doing this thoughts on the value of the NCAA guys, if they don't sign by the draft, that's a good question. So their trade value, their trade value through and Lacombe. Well, do we have previous examples of, there are some uh, out there of guy. I feel like there was someone recently, wasn't there? There may have been. Wasn't Adam Fox one of those guys? Mm, I don't know. I can't imagine it's super high, though. Because it's probably I mean, like a late-round pick. There's probably yeah. more... There's probably a higher value to trading them after the deadline. Because the thing is, I don't think it's a, draft, it's, it's a draft situation. I think it is the... We will know after they come out of college Yeah, if they sign or not. Well, and yeah, because I think that... Trading them after the draft would lower their value because when does, I mean, free agency starts, what, the week after the draft or it did yeah. last year? So yeah. I think that you would want to trade well, them sooner. Also, f- the the free agency for them actually is in August. It's like August 15th. Well, and even, free even regardless, I mean, let's say you trade them as early as you can. I just don't see that. They, like, I understand that people like these players and they may very well end up being solid NHL defenseman, but I just I don't think people are going to be, you know, jumping over themselves to to come and offer up a big a big package to get these players. So, yep. Uh, maybe, right. maybe I'm too low on on one Henry Thrun and Jackson Lacombe, but yeah, I, I mean they don't really have a lot. Sj Hawking brings up they don't have any value really if they don't sign this year and play a game. They have some value, and it's very low, but it's a team having exclusive signing window. That's more or less what and it is. And the thing is, you got to keep in mind is that just getting his rights to have that exclusive window doesn't even guarantee you that you're he's going to sign with you. So it's really just you're selling a lottery ticket. Yep. And um, <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's see. So to answer not a real ducks question, here it is the NHL fastest skater. It's Fiala, Larkin, Kaprizov, Makar. Uh, Stevenson, Svechnikov. The breakaway challenge has Marner, Ovechkin, Pasternak, Kachuk, uh, Matthew Kachuk. Okay. The uh, NHL Tendi Talum or Tandem. Tandem. tandem uh, what shoot, is this? This, I did don't. I have not looked at this at all. They will. Sh- so each so each one will shoot 
They'll shoot the puck into a net. The shooting goalies will earn points based on the accuracy of their shots at the net. Okay, so they're shooting full ice shots. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's a bunch of goalies, though. Uh, Enterprise <sighs> NHL splash shot, which is they're, I guess they're doing uh, something on the beach. Same type yeah. of deal. Crosby, McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, McCarr, Shesterkin, Fox, Kachuk, and Kachuk are both in it. I would have I would have liked to have seen him. So it's the accuracy shooting. Yeah, which is Barkov, Drysaddle, Hayes, Hughes, Kadri, Kucherov, McDavid, Nelson, Panarin, Tarasenko. Like Brock um, Nelson, really? I don't. Yeah. I don't care. Like get get Troy Terry in there. The pitch and puck, uh, using a combination of hockey and golf shots. Four NHL all-sorts will play a par four featuring Island Green. Lowest score wins the pitch and puck. It's Goudreau, who, Keller, Robertson, Suzuki. This? Who the who the? I f- use like I I'll probably catch some of this. I think it's tomorrow. And then the hardest shots: Darlene, Jones, Morrissey, Ovechkin, uh, Pedersen. So they are they not even doing that breakaway challenge that they would always do? No, they didn't do it last year. Where it's like every single oh, no, there person. Is, there is a breakaway challenge. No, but that is a uh, one of the like. Um, that breakaway challenge is not what I'm talking about. That one is like the the pageantry one. I'm talking about the one where every shooter goes. It's like the goalie oh. stop the puck one. And so oh. at least Zeger, or at least Terry would be doing that. But, well, I love know. though that in the breakaway challenge you have Ovechkin and Crosby. I, I just up. I just noticed that. And Luongo is a net. That is Ce- actually going to be entertaining. Celebrity goaltender Roberto Luongo. I just want to know if he's going to try. Because I feel like it makes it better when the goalies what actually What are Ovechkin trying. and Crosby going to do? So here's my prediction. Crosby's going to... They're going to dump the puck in to the zone. Crosby's going to go and just do a million cutbacks behind the net, below the goal line, and then dish it out to <laughs> Ovechkin at the left circle with for a one-timer. It won't be an actual breakaway. Uh, yeah. And so let's see, uh, Scabifer on Twitch said, uh, what are your thoughts on the Horvat trade to the Islanders and how it sets the price for players at the deadline this year? It doesn't really affect the ducks because they just don't have a comparable player. Um, what did you think of that trade though? It kind of seems like a fair return to me. I mean, it's, it's the classic pick plus roster player plus prospect. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's. It's a weird trade. It's one that I still just don't get necessarily from either team's perspective. And kind of, I, I don't think the return's bad per se. Um, and I don't think getting him is that bad of a, or like the deal makes sense, right? From the assets going each way. And you look at what's been like gone in terms of value, like the value makes sense. But in terms of the two teams doing it and where they're at just doesn't because I think the thing that I'm, and maybe this is where I'm souring. Well, I, I, th- I think it makes sense for the Islanders. They clearly just don't. They don't give a crap about the future. This is consistent true. for them. Fair, but it just. I, I'm saying from our perspective, it does not make sense for their team. Does not make sense for their roster. It's just. Well, I think it weird... makes sense for the Canucks. Like, so here's is... where I was going with that. Yeah, I think what sours me on that opinion is the fact that Jim Rutherford had come, Rutherford had come out and said he wants guys in the 25 to 27 range. So I think he they actually value Anthony Beauvillier in this deal and not in the sense of just from a cap, a negative value perspective of taking back cap. And so yeah. I think they actually went out of their way to acquire that player as an asset, which is not what they should be doing. And so that's why I find the deal head-scratching. They got Atu Ratu, who's a second-round pick. Atu Ratu? Ra- no, it's Ratu. Oh, really? 
Yeah. The Y is pronounced like a U? Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. And well, he was a second round pick. And they got a first, like the first round pick. Is, well, he's, think, he's a, he's a well thought of prospect though. I think he, I, I've seen good things about him. You'll see mix either some, uh, I think he's probably a bottom, bottom of the lineup type of guy is probably where he ends up. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that I think it's fine. I think the Canucks could have done a lot better. I could think they? the, could I think the Islanders them? getting Horvat is a weird, weird thing for them to do. So I, I'm just I don't know what either team's doing honestly with that. I feel like the I don't know I feel like it's a pretty standard trade. I think it's just because the actors involved that the, the names that get thrown in are kind of weird names, but the the actual value play is pretty no, and consistent. and I agree. I think the value makes sense. Yeah, it's just more so I don't understand. Yeah why they're valuing Bavillier in this deal. I don't understand why the Islanders are going out of their way to get, uh, well, they, they, they want to resign him. They want to sign his next contract, which should they No, that well, but the thing is, what are the Islanders going to do though? I mean, look at their cap sheet. It's a, it's just crazy yeah. to look at. Like yeah. they, they're fully committed to this roster. That's just, you know, I mean, at one point they were in the conference final, but, I just, man, they're just going all in basically. And I don't know if this is the team to go all in on. So, but it will be yep. interesting. I mean, are they even like, are they in a playoff position? I don't even know if they are. Uh, No, they're not currently. Well, I guess if you're, if you're assuming that you can get Horvat locked up, then that matters less, but still. Yeah. They uh, are, they are sixth in the Metro. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, Firebite said, do we take uh, Matt Faye Mitchkov at three or four? And who is your dark horse to get traded? So that that is a great question on the Matt Faye Mitchkov thing, because I really, I don't know. I think that if, like, if you, if you draft Mitchkov, I suppose it's still possible that if you draft any of these guys, like any of in a, any other player at number three, that it's still going to take time to see them in the NHL. But Michkov is just uniquely difficult to project because a we already know he's not going to be here until the twenty. His contract in the KHL doesn't end until the 2025-2026 season, which means you're not getting him until the 2026-27 season, unless somehow he gets out of that deal. And then of course we have the whole political situation which we don't really know how that'll look like in a few years so it's just man it's such a risk but he's insanely talented and i'm sure the minnesota wild aren't you know sad that they they had to wait for kirill kaprizov so i don't know i'm really torn on that one i don't know what i would do i don't either so we'll go with that. Uh, by wow. the way, last one left on YouTube is saying Zellweger's at two, by the way, I think on Promen's list. Gauthier's at three. Huh. I think that's Wheeler. Yeah, that's Wheeler's list with Zellweger at two and Gauthier at three. Yeah, I'm I'm very confident I saw this okay. from Promen. Yeah, so. I, I think that, that they're both on the athletic. Um, well, we're just diving into these awful, awful opinions right now. What? Is what what's going to happen. What? LewisX209 asks. <laughs> I like how you're still reading his full uh, screen name. <laughs> Why not? Why are pickles bad? I will say this. Oh, I don't God. agree with the general proposition that, that pickles are bad, but I do think that there's a lot of bad pickles out there. 
like like cheap pickles are just that's the, fair they're kind of kind of like you know the ones that are like almost like like this weird shade of green it's like this artificial green i think it still has to kind of look like an actual cucumber so oh we i'm sorry we forgot to before we get back to pickle talk uh, Firebite said, "Who's the dark horse pick to be traded?" That should just we be the title we, of this pod. Just we, we did. We didn't answer that. Who's the dark horse pick to be traded from this Ducks team? I mean, yeah, is it Adam Henrique? Because I, I feel a dark like dark horse though. But he's just like a non-obvious player to trade because of his contract. Here's my dark horse, Jacob Silverberg. I was gonna say that, but so, some that, team's gonna value the be- the veteran experience. Well, I, I, man, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Uh, X Nicholas Rage is channeling his inner Lou and saying, I wonder if there's still teams out there interested in Fowler. That'd be my dark horse if a team wants to solidify their top four with a solid vet. I don't think that Cam Fowler is going to be moved. He has a four team list. Like moving him is nearly impossible because he almost has a full no movement clause. He has a four team yes list. Like I, I just. For me personally, with Cam Fowler, it's one of those where I'm not going to believe he's traded until it's essentially confirmed that he's like completely being shopped to the four different teams or that we know what teams those are type of deal. Hmm. I think Terry actually is a dark horse, though, to be moved. Terry? Wow, you're going to have to explain that. I mean, I've explained it. It depends. I mean, if you are correct and I'm wrong about the contending window and it being further out than we expected... Mm-hmm. I think you you look at Terry. Okay. So I dar- if we're talking dark horse, most likely not going to happen. Really far in the distance, but you could kind of squint and maybe see it. I'm going with that. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I that's definitely a. Oh, so I pulled it up by the way. Yeah. Uh, Corey Promen had Olin Zellweger rated ranked 84th of the top NHL prospects, 23 and under, and he had Nathan Gauthier 83rd. There it is. Like that's uh, just that's just silly. Peter Puck, Mann Puck is, skills NHL average. Come on. Peter Mann's asking, uh, is Colorado a yes for Fowler? I have no clue. I mean, it's four teams in the league, so who knows? I mean, we were dealing with this small of a list. If the player does not want to be traded, he could pick four teams that don't need a defenseman or don't have the cap space to take him on. He could put Boston, Toronto, Tampa, like pick the the teams with the least amount of cap space at the beginning of the year, put them on a, on his note. Those are the four yes, and then boom, Cam Fowler has a no move clause. Like yeah. that that's something teams can do. So uh, yeah, it, it's something that I just don't see happening. Um, DB Lowry thirty five oh seven said question how re- uh, how real slash serious of a rivalry is Arizona Anaheim. <sighs> Well, I think it could be because their timelines are kind of similar, I think. I mean, I think that Arizona has a lot of young players, and I think that they're probably further away than the Ducks. Maybe not substantially so, but like they're probably going to align in terms of when they're competitive. I just don't think that this is like... I don't know if this is what you want to build a rivalry off of, though. Like it's, it just feels icky to say that. Oh, now it's a rivalry. I think it's more built off of last year, which is also kind of icky. Yes, exactly. But so, that's I mean, kind of where it comes from. You look back on the Detroit Avalanche rivalries in the past, right, and how those got started. But it, it, it does, th- it does feel like there is a bit of a. Uh, 
It does feel like when the Ducks play the Coyotes that there's a little something extra there. It is a shame that they're no longer in the Pacific Division. I'll say that. It's a shame that they no longer wear those beautiful uh, maroon jerseys. Stop. The Kachina's so much better. Kachina's not a good TV jersey. Get out of here. Uh, Skylar Martinez <laughs> said, is Gibson gone next season? Man, I'm going to I'm gonna say this. I'm going to get up on my soapbox and say that John Gibson finishes his contract in Anaheim. I It's starting to look like that. And you know right. what? Good for him. Yeah, 36, right, 36 will hang. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get back to the uh, the real crux of this conversation. Pickles are great, and Lou is absolutely insane and off his kilter. Fried right pickles here. are great too. Just like pick, like pickle, and just pickles in general. Going on pickled onions, also fantastic. Oh, oh, DB Lowry with a great take in our in our chat here, that thirty six will hang next to thirty five in the rafters of of Honda Center. Do we have to have have this conversation again? Will they rebrand? When does Honda, when are the rights for Honda up for the Honda center? I don't, is that publicly available? I don't know. I mean, the, the name change happened. It would have been the 06, 07 season. How long do naming rights go? Can you go back and look up Honda? There's okay. probably a way to look up how long the, the like agreements oh, were. So it was they signed a ten year extension in twenty twenty. So Damn. Twenty thirty. Damn. <laughs> yeah, they signed Honda and AAM Anaheim Arena Management agreed to ten year naming rights extension. Because Arrowhead's back in the arena. They that have was, that was right before COVID. That that yeah. was February twenty fifth, twenty twenty. Wow. I mean, so. good on the Ducks for cashing, or good on the, I mean, the Samuelis still for cashing in before uh, before everything <laughs> dropped out. Although, I mean, I wonder if that could potentially change uh, what happens here. But anyway, yeah. So probably not until 2030. <laughs> Lewis, X, Lewis uh, is saying, Puck Empire, Honda Center's name is changing. I'm sorry, but I guess this is just true for all arenas, but just having some corporate name for the arena is just boring. I think if it ties in, it's like, I love the Arrowhead Pond. Like that worked. Well, the only thing that that makes sense about it is the word pond. (laughs) No, Arrowhead works also. There's Lake Arrowhead. Oh, wow. That is a reach. Did you just pull a muscle trying to come up with that? Wait, how is is that a reach? reach? How is that a reach? Lake Arrowhead? What is the, I would love for you to explain to me the connection between Lake Arrowhead and the Ducks franchise outside of the fact that they're in the same remote geographic region. That's like saying, oh, if the, if the, if the sharks were like It's a pond. Like. Yeah, but you're saying the Arrowhead part. Arrowhead. What is the connection to the Ducks? It's because it's a local place. It's the Arrowhead pond. Is it, but, but what's the connection to the actual Ducks though? None. That's like saying, oh, if the if the if the Sharks Arena was the Tahoe Pond, then it would be like they're not even anywhere near Lake Tahoe. But Arrowhead's also a brand. Yes, well, it's, yeah, and it's a water bottle. Like, congrats. Water. Like, yeah, if Ta- if like Tahoe was a, a water bottle company and they bought the naming rights and they but called again, it the, you're the, you're not drawing the the connection with the Ducks franchise though. I'm just saying that I'm fine with something like that where you're incorporating the name of the the sponsor into something that makes sense and it all ties together with some good synergy. The Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim works and also Arrowhead yes. is a water Arrowhead is a water company. The ice is water. Like all this ties in. There's a whole lot of things that works together. I, with I it agree. That makes sense I agree with that. I agree with that analysis. Not the one that oh Lake Arrowhead. That's well it's just, all part of it. Lake Arrowhead's no, part of it. And no. so you like it's all mixed into that. 
Arrowhead was going to name whatever arena they got Arrowhead Pond. Would they have? I think so. I like pond makes so much sense with ducks, ducks on a pond. If you had a ducks, the San Jose Ducks, it would have been Arrowhead Pond. If you had the the, the St. Louis Ducks, it would have been Arrowhead Pond. It has nothing to do with Lake Arrowhead. Uh, Michael B saying, "What do you guys think of the Ducks goal horn? Feel like it's time for a new one." Same with the goal song. I kind of like it. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm good with Brohim. I, I like it. Don't fix it if it ain't broken. I'm, I like Brohim. Don't I, fix I, it if it ain't Brohim. It was weird when they didn't have Brohim for that one game. It, it something felt off. How about this? No goal horns. You think Gordy Howe had a goal horn go off every time he scored the eight hundred and one times he scored? No. What about uh, the Rocket? You think Howie goal Mar- horns? You think Howie Morenz? Yeah, you know Rocket Richard. You think they had goal horns? No. <laughs> Lou saying we're sidestepping the elephant in the room. Pickles one hundred percent leaves its residue. It's a freaking snail, and the residue ruins everything it touches. Can I just say this? And this may discuss Lou right here. Drinking pickle brine's good. I've actually never Oh, I think I have done that. I've It's especially pi- like it's a great backs. thing like if you're like and also if you're like really tired or need some electrolytes something like that, some pickle juice after a hard workout. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Pick, pickles are great. Uh DB Lowry said, "What about <laughs> But guys, what about a cannon?" Yeah, I I can only imagine being inside a building and having a cannon go off. How how ear shattering that must be. It would be. be horrifying. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's a very um, strange, strange thing. Do you think it's weird that the Ducks don't have a jersey sponsor? I've been thinking about that. I don't know why. They probably just couldn't. Sec- there must have been some kind of deadline for securing a, a deal for that. Should we reach out and ask how much it would cost to get Crash the Pond and try to fundraise it? <laughs> what would it be like to have Who would a crash be paying, the pond logo? Yeah. Well, I guess um Kickstarter. We'll get a Kickstarter to pay the ducks. Yeah, I don't know how much that would cost. We we should reach out. They should just do it as a charitable thing. <laughs> Give us exposure. You have nothing else on your jersey in yeah. that spot. Just just put a crash the pond logo. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I don't I don't fully understand it. Maybe there just wasn't demand. Maybe that's Maybe that's it. Yeah. Well, wh- who's their helmet sponsor? It's not even an actual company, right? Isn't it Pacific Premier Bank? No, was it's that last o- year. OC, OC Navigator or something. It's oh like this, yeah, that's right. Last yeah. year's Pacific Premier. It's not even some. Cor- it's not even a corporate sponsor. I don't think. Yeah. So maybe they're Once just again, taking this like charitable route. I don't know. I mean, they should allow the Crash the Palm logo on the helmet. I mean, that would be a, I, a big I, upgrade. I could with send all, it to with all due for free. respect to uh, OC Navigator. They don't what the have heck to... is what is OC Navigator? Now I have to know. Yeah. Is that like the the, the bus? No clue. But yeah, they oh, should just it's a allow. mental health thing. Oh, well now I sound like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> it's a health see, like I actually respect that. I respect the fact that they did that and not just sell out completely. Like the Lou, Canadians have RBC Bank on their jersey and losing late arrivals on the helmets, CTP on the sweater. I actually think so here's my bold take. I think the Crash the Palm logo would work better on a helmet, and the Late Arrivals logo would work better on a jersey. Well, how many how many NHL teams don't have sponsors on their well, jerseys? I'm, I'm thinking about the Late Arrivals on the jersey in the same way Milk's written on the Maple Leafs jersey. just kind of written out because they've got that script font. It works well, whereas ours is kind of more the circular crest yeah. that works on a helmet better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I like assuming that the Ducks had... I'm sure that they could have gotten a corporate sponsor. Assuming that they 
could have and didn't and chose to promote OC Navigator, I think that that's, that's cool. Yep. So. All right. Before we wrap this thing up, because we're almost at an hour and a half now. Yeah. Any any other things you want to get off your chest? No. I mean, it's um, I'm excited that we kind of get this little bit of a reboot here. And we're, we're almost exactly a month away from the trade deadline. It's March 3rd. And that's always kind of a, a bit of a pick-me-up in the season. So excited for that. Yep. Yep. I, I did feel a little bit of Stockholm syndrome to uh, this week that I missed the Ducks playing. Did you? Did they play this week? No, they did not. I'm saying I'm as oh. in like I'm saying like the fact that I'm missing them playing. Oh, I I don't feel like that at all. Oh, okay. Well, but I've also been that. missing. I've been missing a lot of games. So. Yeah. Uh, Lou's asking if anyone made a bad take this week on the Food Channel. I mean, we already discussed. Your oh yeah. Take. Oh yeah. I do want to pull that up. What was there? There was a. There were more bad takes. Did I miss something? I've been throwing in a lot of takes in there. But let's see. Yeah. Let me just, oh let yeah, me the just... Ducks are on a three-game winning streak, and we haven't mentioned that. Yeah. Well, it's just it's a bit far removed. Yeah. Uh, also, I feel like it just was a good opportunity to do something. Fries dipped picture. in mayo is greater than fries dipped in ketchup. Oh yeah, that was that was my take. Wait, Monica. Monica. I just, I just Monica, heard your wife in the back. Monica, do you want to come here and and state your opinion? Just come here. Come here. You can talk on the microphone. <laughs> what? She said, content. no, she's shy. She said, fries dipped in ranch is the best way to go. I mean, that sounds better than anything. Like, just ketchup is bad. Can we Can we all agree with that? I feel like no. we all agree with that. No, ketchup's great. Ketchup sucks. You also are anti-sauce. Well, I think mayo is mayo is much better than, than Mayo's ketchup. a sauce also, FYI. It's a condiment. Let's not let's not get it twisted. What's ranch? What's ketchup then? It's a condiment. Is it a sauce? Well, I'm sure we can find a, a definition somewhere. Mayo is fine. I would never, I would never dip fries in mayo straight. It would have to be like a garlic aioli or something. You know, like this that. is like a very common thing in, in Europe, right? Yeah, it sounds gross P- though. People do this. You love England. You're an, you're an Anglophile, and you you wouldn't copy them in this scenario. No, I would not. Why? It's a bad like it's gross. This Why is would my I just have straight mayo. This is my algorithm, by the way. Great mayo is better than great mustard. What? And cheap mayo is better than cheap mustard. Um, I've been told that my wife does uh, straight mayo with her French fries from Chick Fil A. Boom! There we go. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. Well, it means that you're gonna have to face pushback. <laughs> I I just got a, a frowny face at me. And would you I, like to Would you like to give a bad opinion? <laughs> I don't think that's how you entice people to to come on the show. <laughs> hey, want to come give a bad opinion? <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to I'm trying to find a something questionable here. How, the... how is this? Oh oh, let's see. Um, CJ just chimed in. CJ, uh, wow. Now this is a hot take. I don't necessarily agree Wait, with. Wait, is he is he in But I think right it's now? incredibly overrated. Uh yellow mustard greater than ketchup. Oh, get out of here, CJ. Mustard He's is saying- better than ketchup. No. The problem with mustard is that like the the, the like shitty like just kind of neon yellow mustard is just it's barely mustard as is and that's the problem. If you get the real deal, the real McCoy, uh you're you're going to be fine there. No, ketchup's great. 
Ketchup mixed with stuff is great. Ketchup is a fantastic, fantastic thing. It's just not. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's it's just not. Also, I guess Sprite is getting rebranded. No, Sierra no. Mist is getting rebranded. Oh, Sierra Mist. Sorry. Well, no one even. No, I'm sorry, but no one will I remember, remember Sierra Mist. <laughs> I kind of forgot that Sierra Mist was a thing. No one will remember them. <laughs> and now it's Sorry. <laughs> and no one may remember Sorry either. Oh, <laughs> do you want to hear my 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 just batshit food take? Okay. And this I, is want, I mean, I don't know if I want to. This is something I, I googled just to make sure I have some kind of backing. <laughs> are we are we sleeping on raw chicken? Does raw chicken <laughs> get a bad rap? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this is a thing in Japan. They're, they they have chicken sashimi. That it's sound. Like, not only does that sound like. <laughs> Uh, like disease like not disease but like getting sick waiting to happen but it also sounds like just disgusting would you try it if it no. was like if you were at a reputable no, no. sushi no. place in japan no i would not but you but would you eat raw beef like uh you know Wagyu? probably pro- no probably not I have. it's delicious so yeah. i mean their raw stuff is just not my jam do you so you don't like sushi then no i'll oh. do I'll do stuff with like sushi with like crab or things like that, but I won't do raw. I mean, for the record, I'm not actually advocating for raw chicken, and I'm not certainly not advocating for people to go and try raw chicken. But I'm just, I just googled out of curiosity if raw chicken is a thing anywhere in the world, and apparently it is. So it's not. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's like you're you're pro tapeworm. (laughs) Wow, that is just. You know, there's there. Why are we oh. why are we so unkind to the, the the chicken species? Chickens are noble animals, and they deserve our, our respect. So what? That's all, that's so all got to th- say. they deserve to be eaten raw? Well, just calling them bacteria ridden and this and that. <laughs> we don't do that to fish. We don't do that to to, to beef or to cows. So <laughs> I mean, it's because they have bacteria. It's been proven they have salmonella. Well, no, it's just that's that's a commentary on on big chicken on on the food industry. That's not a commentary on on chickens themselves. Puck Empire Felix Card states it's okay to eat raw chicken. <laughs> Felix Card says go eat raw chicken. No, big I'm not big bacteria that. or big chickens after you. No, this is I I am not um I'm not advocating for that, and I don't oh. think I would actually try it either. Okay, and there's just there's just something I can't. I, one time I bought a beef liver, and I just couldn't. Like I, just looking at it, it like made my stomach turn. So yeah. All right. Should we get I, out of here? Would you eat a cooked cricket? No. Hmm. There's you know there's this whole sect on the internet that believes one day we're gonna have to like eat bugs because of big food systematically taking meat away from us. Big food. Yeah. Like basically, if you look at like the introduction of Impossible Burgers and. Uh, which I'm gonna call them beyond beyond burgers. That this is like a sign that they're taking meat away from us. <laughs> yeah, congratulations! Okay. I, I just I, got I, a little I, dumber. I, I finally once you like said that. I, it, once you mentioned the vegan stuff, I'm like, oh, now I get where this is. You coming know who from. this is coming from. Yes. <laughs> now, now I get it. Okay. Yes, you know where this is coming from. Anyway, 
we could go on and on and on, but we're at our we're at our time limit here, an hour and a half. That's the uh, that's the time limit. So on that note, oh, really quick, best kind of fries. Best kind of fries. This comes from Johnny in our Discord. As in, huh? From Take, where he said McDonald's fries greater than In and Out fries. No, I've I've gone back on that. I used to think that too, but. The problem with McDonald's fries is that they're so hit or miss. Are you of, and I going to die on the hill of In-N-Out fries being good? I'm glad we agree on something. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I think In-N-Out fries are great. and I They're very underrated. I, disc- I discovered today too that In-N-Out has uh, uh, chopped raw onions. Did not yeah. know that. I Did saw that. on TikTok the other other week someone like loaded up their yes. burger with all the onion types. This is how I found out. <laughs> it was like they did raw chopped, raw whole, regular chopped, regular whole, grilled chopped, grilled whole. And it was just like so much onion. It was onion. an onion burger. It was so much onion. Oh, that's uh, so they good all right and now. it also needs to get back their old chilies. Oh, what's the deal with that? I guess from what I saw, I think their suppliers like out, and so now they just have like it's pepperoncinis more or less, and so oh, yeah, man. so if they're not as good. Is the egg shortage still going on in SoCal? Know. No clue. I heard about. You're all, at, oh, you're, you're asking the wrong person. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and are we in a pepper shortage too? Man, that I is guess. Just... Anyway, we, all we right, could, we, could, we, we could go on and on. You know, <laughs> you know what's crazy though is there's like podcasts, like the the, the big podcast these days. They go for hours. Like there's like four hour podcasts out there. Yeah, I just man, that is a lot. That is a long time. It's so, a lot. It's a lot to listen to. I don't think we could do. Yeah, like that's the thing. It's like who's listening to all of these in their entirety? I think it's yeah. just to sell ads. I, I always have to break them up. Yeah. If I if I listen to the entire thing. Yeah. Apparently we're in a natural gas shortage according to yes. the chat. So yes, we are. I, well, I know that for a fact because my natural gas uh, bill went up significantly. It doubled. Well, I don't think that one's going away because uh, that's a finite resource. Yeah. So. Or wait, are we? <laughs> D.B. Lowry's like, we can do at least an hour of random Canadian cities also. Come on. That's true. That's true. We should bring that back that bit. I need to get it set up. Wow. Apparently someone's bill went from 184 to 400. That Mine was wild. lower than that, but in the same ranges. That is wild. Yep. Well, mine was. That's why you go, into, go the solar. Go into solar. the three hundreds. Go solar. Solar doesn't impact natural <laughs> gas. I'm just talking out of my ass. I am well outside of my wheelhouse here. Oh. You got to get a Tesla generator. I mean, you know, there's like a whole like conspiracy online, right? That no, let's talk about this offline because I actually have insight on not the conspiracy, but the actual like. I've been basically, so I just want to let this cat out of the bag. I want to let this cat out of the bag. So (laughs) I have a group of friends where we have like a very satirical group chat and we share stuff that we don't actually agree with, or maybe some, some people in the chat do, but we do it so much. Like for me, I do it so much that like my, my Instagram feed, my YouTube shorts algorithm has just become purely like conspiracy theories. Like (laughs) it's just purely like conspiracy theories that i don't personally agree with but because i'm my brain is just so soaked in this stuff i'm like i'm just thinking about it all the time I'm like am i am i slowly changing my own beliefs here just to get a laugh from my friends i don't know yeah 
The pyramids yes. were power yeah. generators. I hope you understand this. Uh-huh. <laughs> there, with it's your plausible. trolls, I feel like with your trolls, at a certain point, you believe what you're sta- saying. That's also. the thing. Like, I feel like I've crossed that line where I've become the caricature. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing that I'm making fun of. Yep, you have. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, I'm sorry for that, everyone. All right, well, hopefully everyone enjoyed the show. If you want to support us, uh, there's a few easy ways to do that. The number one way is to check out our Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash crash the pond. And for $1 a month, you get access to our uh, patrons-only Discord server. It's a ton of fun. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. And especially this time of year, it's it's well worth it because you've got the trade deadline coming up, the news, the reports are flying in. And it's it's a great place to just kind of keep up to date. I mean, you, I, I actually don't have Twitter on my phone anymore, and I don't really need it because I have our Discord. I know always what's going on because I can just go on Discord. So it's great. And if um, you're late on it, you're getting a turtle. Yeah. Yes. And so that's for $1 a month. For $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes. And we did one recently, four days ago. And we this was a big picture. What we would change about the NHL rules contracts the standings the draft it was really big picture and i actually really enjoyed it and i think most people would get a kick out of it so those are the kind of episodes we do over there we still talk about the ducks but we go a little bit more uh wider lens so that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond uh you can also leave us a rating and a review on apple podcast that goes a long way uh jake touched on it earlier but check us out on youtube just search crash the pond subscribe there and make sure to turn on your notifications uh, we're all and we're always on Twitch live on Mondays. Well, usually Mondays, although this week was a little bit different. Um, check us out on Spotify. You know, f- subscribe to us there. You can also leave us a rating. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at reindeergames ninety one, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. And check out the Sporting Tribune, sportingtribune.com. Article is going up there. And with all that being said, thank you for listening today, guys. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Enjoy the All Star Game.